Hey, welcome to XA Live, everyone. Uh, whether you're joining us later via the YouTube archives of our videos or you're joining the premiere tonight, we're really excited that you are with us. Tonight, we're continuing our series uh, that we're borrowing the title from, uh, The Good and Beautiful God from James Bryan Smith's book, also borrowing some of the content therein. If you missed the last couple of weeks, really want to encourage you to, to check out the different videos that are here on the YouTube channel. You can uh, catch up, review, whatever the case may be. Last couple of weeks, we've talked about holiness. God is holy, and not only is God holy, but He challenges us to be holy as well. That was a couple of weeks ago. And then last week, Emily, uh, just great message if you haven't seen it yet, on God is self-sacrificing. And that's the God we serve, and it's one of the reasons we say this is the good and beautiful God is because when you think of a pure God and yet a self-sacrificing God, and as we're going to find out tonight, a God that transforms. He's not a God that just sits back and lets things happen. He intervenes in our affairs to, so that things might go well for us, that we might be more like the people that we are called to be. So we're really glad that you're with us. Hope you enjoy tonight. I think it'll be something really beneficial for all of us. Tonight's topic is God transforms. And so if you're ready to go, here we go. You might have heard this phrase from time to time within Christian circles. I've certainly heard it many times over the years, and that is, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And while it is a true statement, I think it's a little confining uh, for those of us that are attempting to live out as we challenged ourselves last, last week, as the scripture said, be holy as, or two weeks ago, as God said, be holy as, as I am holy, to rest in the idea of just being a sinner uh, kind of hinders or prevents us from becoming the person that we ought to be. Because the reality is we often struggle with continuing sin because we still see ourselves as the same, as we always were. And at the same time, I think we fail to understand the impact of the resurrected life of Jesus in us. And so the false narrative that we're really wrestling with this week is, I am a sinner. Now, this is not to deny any sins that we have committed in the past or even ones we might commit in the future. It's more a statement about who we are as a child of God having been justified in Christ. And as we navigate being transformed, as we navigate being holy, as God is holy, uh, we have to wrestle out some conflict here. David Needham expresses the conflict this way. What could be more frustrating than being a Christian who thinks himself to be primarily a self-centered sinner, self-centered sinner, yet whose purpose in life is to produce God-centered holiness. So what do we need? Well, we don't just need to cease or stop unwanted behaviors, although maybe that's certainly part of the goal. What we really need to accomplish this, to be transformed, we need a deeper life in Christ. We need an intimate relationship with our Savior, one that is full and warm and, and, and has joy in it as well. So the, the false narrative is we're a sinner. The true narrative is I am a saint. And if you're like me, I think most of us struggle with that, right? The idea, it's really easy to say I'm a sinner, but it, it's, it's very difficult to say I'm a saint. Now, let's define saint for just a moment. We're not necessarily talking about the way the Catholic Church labels saints in terms of people who have done miracles and that kind of thing, but more in the way of being in Christ and what that means for sin and its effect on our lives. You see, in Christ, I'm no longer to be defined by sin. I have been reconciled to Jesus and 
sin has been defeated in my life. Jesus not only forgives the sin of all people at all time, here's the key, he broke the power of sin itself. And so point number one for you tonight is this, God not only wants to reconcile us, he wants to transform us. How does he do that? By faith and in Christ. Let's, let's dig into that a little bit. By faith, we are crucified with Christ. Romans 6.6, 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. The body of sin brought to nothing and that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. And Galatians 2.19-20, for through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what does it mean to be in Christ? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, let's look at that. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, Behold, the new has come. So to be in Christ means to be a new creation. Best example I can give you, this is one that we're all very familiar with. It's like the caterpillar and the butterfly, right? The caterpillar is intended and designed to be transformed into the butterfly. And in that scenario, the old has passed away, the new has come. It was once weighed down by gravity, but now it can fly. As Christians... We were once under the reign of sin, but now we live in freedom. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, that's awesome if, uh, if we're in Christ and we live in freedom and Christ is, has defeated sin, but why do so many people still struggle with it? Good question. But before I answer it, I think we need to put a couple of foundational blocks and reminders in place for ourselves. First, sin has been defeated. And we need to constantly remind ourselves of that. Secondly, I am innocent. I am justified before Christ. Thirdly, I have received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And now the Spirit within me doesn't cry out for sin. It cries out for my Father in heaven. So here's the reality. We are new spiritually, but we live in our old self's body, which contains the remnants of sin. What does that mean? It means we still have our old narratives. We still have our old memories. We still have our old habits, our old relationships, certainly our families. And outside of those contexts, even, we live in a world where people are diametrically opposed to the truth of God. So within those contexts, we still have to walk out and stand against sin. It plays itself out in the Bible and in our lives this way, where the Bible describes it as being flesh versus spirit. And the word uh, in the Greek for flesh is sarx. And that's best described this way. It's specific to our current mortal human state. That is the human body and its physical needs and desires that if not controlled, leads towards selfish acts and motives. In short, being in the flesh is this, living apart from God. So in the spirit is living with God and being in Christ, being in the flesh is living apart from God. John Wesley puts it this way, he says, Every babe in Christ is holy, and yet, not altogether so. He is saved from sin, yet, not entirely. It, meaning sin, remains, though it does not reign. The power of it is gone. 
So here's the point, second point I'd like you to get. We are susceptible to sin when we are disconnected from Christ. When we do not pray, when we do not meet and have confession and accountability with fellow believers, when we do not read our Bibles, even when we don't rest well for extended periods of time or spend too much time alone. All these things make us vulnerable. But the best way to defeat temptation is to remain in Christ, what the Bible refers to as abiding in Christ. So let's take a look at that, because in the Bible, Jesus gives us a really beautiful example of what it means to abide in Him. And it's the, it's the reference in John 15 to the vine and the branches. I won't go into the description of it now, but it's safe to say when, when you read that, it's not like a vine that grows on your house. So if you've got time, Google like a, a very healthy grape uh, vine, if you will, and you'll really see the difference in what we're talking about here as we read Jesus's words. Ultimately, we become a new creation by developing an intimate and deep relationship with Christ. Let's see what Jesus has to say here. John 15, 4 and 5. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So not only do we see there the picture that we're, a, we're able to stand against sin and the power of it being defeated in our lives, Jesus is also talking about bearing fruit. And so there's things that we need to produce in our lives. There's things that we need to do. There's, there's a version of us that we need to be. And then also in 2 Peter verse 1, we're going to read portions of verses 4 through 10. We're not going to read the whole passage, but it says this. Peter's writing, he says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now he goes on from here to say the very reason, he said, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith and with virtue and knowledge and self-control and steadfastness and godliness and brotherly affection and love. And then at the back end of the passage, he says this, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, being transformed, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful. For whoever lacks these qualities has forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Let's not forget that. And lastly, if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Now I'm going to give you a little bit of a silly example here that might illustrate the ways then that we often try to navigate this walk out with Jesus and this freedom that we have for having been forgiven and the power of sin being broken and yet the way we still kind of wrestle with walking this out. It's an example of two types of dogs, the country dog and the city dog. Now the country dog, he knows what it's like to run in open fields, to bound down trails and get scratched up a little bit because he's knocked off a couple of pine branches along the way or jumped in the creek. He knows what it's like to explore and to have freedom. And yet, at the end of the day, he comes back because he wants to be close to his master. Now, the city dog, however, is a bit more confined, cooped up, if you will. He studies the door, waiting for that moment that he can nudge it open and run. And when it happens, it's happened to me, the master will have to give chase, maybe take some treats to bribe the dog to come back and corner the dog even to get it back home. 
You see, the city dog is like the Christian who appro- whose approach to following Jesus is about rules and do's and don'ts. This Christian feels confined and cramped and would love to escape the rules if possible. The country dog, on the other hand, is like the Christian that knows he's not under the law and knows that he can sin, but having sinned before knows better. They are more content living close to the master, abiding in Christ. Because the country dog recognizes what we find in Paul's writings in 1 Corinthians 6.12. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. Not everything is helpful or good. I'm adding that translation. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. James Bryan Smith, who we're borrowing the series from, says this. He says, I'm free to make choices about what I do and what I do not do. But those choices should be made in light of who I am, not to determine who I am. You see, the enemy of our souls would like us to believe that who we were in the flesh prior to Jesus' justification is who we're going to continue to be going forward. He'd like you to believe that your, your faults and your insufficiencies, even your brokenness are things that just, that's just who you are and that's who you will forever be, that there's no hope for your transformation. But I want to say this to you tonight, and I want you to carry it with you. Brokenness does not define you. In fact, I've got some good news. God's power shines best through our brokenness. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. You see, it's in our weakness that God's power is revealed. The broken often feel like they have nothing to offer. The legalists feel their perfection is what makes them valuable. But both are actually wrong. You see, we heal others through our vulnerability because that is where Christ shines most brightly. Now, I've got with me today something that some of you have seen and some of you don't have any idea why I would have such a thing. This is a clay pot. This is one of our Chi Alpha student leadership pots. Every spring, we bring together our new student leaders that are incoming and put them together with our veteran leaders and we spend a weekend away uh, praying and, and fellowshipping and figuring out who we're going to be together in God. And we take this verse from 2 Corinthians and this represents our jar of clay us and we break it intentionally and we give everybody on the team a piece of this jar of clay and on it they write a word about who they are in Christ about who Christ is to them about who they are within this team that they're joining sometimes it's a scripture verse it can be any take any form and then we take all those pieces and we glue it back together and obviously it doesn't go back to the form that it initially was it goes and go back to the old form and all the cracks are visible, and some holes where some of the pieces crumbled and then we were unable to put them back in as a result. But here's the thing. Some nights later, we get together and we put a candle inside, and that candle represents Christ in us. And then we turn off all the lights, and all these holes and all these little cracks allow for the light of Christ to beam out of us, and it becomes an image and a representation of who we are and who God, how God can use us as we allow Him to transform us, as we allow ourselves to abide in Him. There's power in your brokenness. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says this, But He said to me, My power is made perfect in weakness. 
Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Christ's transformation in us is an ongoing process. We have to all recognize that. But as we abide in Him, we heal. As we abide in Him, we mature. And the things that had been difficult in our lives, the things that were broken, the things that were regretful, that put us in a position, they put us in a position to help minister to those who are now going through the same experiences that we're actually recovering from. Disappointments, addictions, broken marriages, broken relationships, abuses, loss, maybe even trauma, whatever your difficulties have been, as God heals you and transforms you, He uses the broken aspects of our lives to then minister and bear fruit in the lives of others. Psalm 147.3 reminds us of this process and promise where we read, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. See, Jesus reaches out to others through those places where His grace, grace is most visible in us, our weak points. So I want to finish with this. The Bible is, is strewn with these, these couple of messages here for us. Identity, who we are in Christ, and also whose we are. But beyond that, it also encourages us to live in a manner worthy of that identity, to become holy as God is holy, to be self-sacrificing because God is self-sacrificing, to be transformed and accept that we are saint and not a sinner and that the power of sin is forever broken in our lives and we can be best defend against, we can best defend against that by being in Christ. So here's what I want to tell you tonight as we wrap up. The best approach to transformation, the best approach to following Jesus is to keep soaking in the truth of our identity in Christ, number one. You are a child of God. You are a saint. Practicing spiritual disciplines that deepen those truths, like reading your Bible and prayer, solitude, and being part of a community that will reinforce those truths. So we need to deepen those truths. We need to... We need to take hold of our identity in Christ and we need to reinforce those truths. So I'm going to give you a little bit of soul work this week. Not homework, soul work. And I think we need it. You might need to take what I'm about to give you and write it down somewhere and reread it a few times. You might need to say it out loud and so it becomes part of what who, and who you are. You might need to pray it. But I think we all need to hear it. So I'm going to give you a few phrases and their scripture references for you to hold on to this week. John 1.12, I am God's child. I am God's child. Romans 5.1, I have been justified. I am forgiven of my sins. Romans 8.1, I am free from condemnation. Colossians 2.13, I am alive together with Jesus. Romans 8.38 and 39, I cannot be separated from God's love. Romans 8, 9, I am in the Spirit versus the flesh. Colossians 3, 4, Jesus is my life. And lastly, 2 Corinthians 3, 18, I am being transformed into the image of Christ. Write them down. Pray over them. Speak them out loud if you need to. Share them with others that you know that need to hear those very foundational things. Because the power of sin no longer reigns over our lives. We are new creations in Christ. And the more we abide in Him, the closer we become like Him, the more fruit we bear in this life, the more He uses the broken aspects of our life to help others. Hey, love you guys.
Let's go forward in Christ this week. Let me pray over you real quick, and then we'll close out. Father, I thank you for every person watching this video. Remind us, especially in the down times, especially in the, in the memory times of where we think that we're less than we ought to be. And perhaps we are at times less than we ought to be. But we know that you are at work in us. And so, Lord, help us to stand firm on the identity and the forgiveness and the newness that we have in you that we might not only be transformed today, but every day going forward. Lord, we declare today that the power of sin does not reign in our lives anymore. We are free from it. And free to live in you and for you and for others. So Lord, transform us, remake us into your image. And with your help, it will be so. In Jesus' name. Hey guys, have a tremendous week. Peace be with you. Can't wait to see you again next week. Bye-bye.